Well, it's good to be here this morning. Um, there's no other place I'd rather be than in the house of God, worshiping with other believers. <clears throat> um, if it weren't for um, Dwight, I'm not sure if we'd have been here this morning, even though we had planned to be here. Um, he called and said you're supposed to have snow, and so we decided we better come last night so we don't have to drive through snow and wonder if we're going to make it in time. And, well, you didn't get any snow, but they have 8 to 10 inches of snow at home. All of a sudden came up on the radar, I guess, and dumped snow there. <clears throat> so seems like when we leave home, we get snowstorms. So anyway, be that as it may. <clears throat> About uh, two and a half months ago, um, Dwight was in Grove City, um, had meetings there. And we're rich, richly blessed by that. So thank you, Dwight, again for for sharing with us then. <clears throat> I started, thank you. I started preaching um, last November on in Exodus, and it seemed like it was every other time I preached, I went back into Exodus. I didn't do every every time, and this morning um, it's in Exodus again. <clears throat> The first message that I preached was um, on chapter 1 and 2, and just a little bit of review on that. Um, I preached on influence, on Moses, or the influence that Moses' parents had on him. And just a few um, comments here. No one dares say, I have no influence. As surely as the sun influences the earth, your life influences many people in unseen ways. No one dares say, I'm not influenced by others. As surely as the moon influences the tides, you are influenced by the people around you and the values they hold. Pursue the influence of godliness and flee the influence of the world. You are an influence on others and you are being influenced by others. And then the next message was um, chapters 3 and 4. Um, Moses' reluctance about God's call on his life. Um, God and sin don't walk on the same side of the road. They don't walk the same path, and they don't lead to the same place. Take your sandals off. You are on holy ground. Moses was over was afraid to look. Um, he was overawed by God's presence and dazzled with the splendor of his appearance. How awed am I at God's presence? And Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth, Meekness is a quiet strength in the face of difficulty or opposition. So this morning we continue in Exodus. I'd like to, I'm not going to be reading a passage in the beginning here. Just read a few verses as we go along. I'd like to um, look at the main subject is the plague of more than one God. So what I want to look at, we're going to go through the, the plagues. Um, chapters 5 through 13, um, just get a few things in each, um, in each chapter and work through it in that order. <clears throat> Chapter 5, um, Moses and Aaron go into Pharaoh and ask for a leave of absence for the children of Israel to go into the wilderness on a three-day um, three days' journey to sacrifice to God. <clears throat> I 
The ten Egyptian plagues testify of Jesus, the anointed one, and his power to save. Uh, Moses and Aaron are sent as messengers of the Lord to Pharaoh to instruct him to let the children of Israel go so that they may serve the Lord. It is further stipulated that they must be allowed to travel a three-day journey so that they may offer their sacrifices as a means of worship. Now, they had to have cattle along to worship or to sacrifice in, in their worship. And um, Moses and Aaron, Moses said at one time that how can they um, worship here if they sacrifice cattle? Um, cattle were very sacred to the Egyptians. And so that, that was why or Moses' um, reasoning with him that they had to go on this three-day journey and was also um, command of God and what he wanted them to do. <clears throat> Pharaoh responds simply, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let, will I let Israel go. Um, soon enough, though, he figures out that he understands um, that the power of his gods are nothing to compare to the power of God. <clears throat> Pharaoh has plenty of voices telling him of fun things to do and why he would not, he should not let his workforce leave. The Israelites were the workforce. Um, they did the work. They, um, made brick among many other things and why should he let them go? He, they are the people that, that built up his kingdom, um, built towns and, and, and uh, cities, um, houses, um, they were the ones that that did the work. <clears throat> Verse 4 and 5 in chapter 5. I'll read those. Um, and the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, do, what, wherefore do ye Moses and Aaron, let the people from you their works, get you into their your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. So here Pharaoh was saying, Come on, Moses and Aaron, let, let the people work. They need to work. Um, don't hinder them from their work. <clears throat> and so he puts on more work. He takes the straw away, and now the Israelites have to get find their own stubble to mix in with the clay to make brick. And I'll read verses 15 through 19. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus? With thy servants. There is no straw given unto thy servants, and they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten. But the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work, for there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale or the tally of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. <clears throat> so the Israelites here um, realize that there is evil behind this, um, that they're supposed to continue to make the amount of bricks that they were supposed to, even when their straw was taken away from them and they had to go out in the fields and find their own. <clears throat> Chapter 6, the Lord affirms and encourages Moses. And 
That's all I'm going to say about chapter 6 there. The Lord uh, just encouraged Moses and told him um, that he continued, wants to have him continue to um, work on the deliverance of the Israelites. <clears throat> and chapter 7 um, is the first plague, um, the plague of turning the water into, into blood. And I'll read verses 19 through 25. <clears throat> chapter seven, nineteen, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that were in the river died, and the river, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the Egyptians digged around about the river for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. Imagine um, blood, bloody water, water that stank like dead fish. Um, who would want to drink that? This was the first plague. And it didn't seem a big deal to Pharaoh. Um, his magicians could do the same thing. And I don't know, it doesn't say if they found water by digging or not around, around the river. I assume they found water. Um, it's seven days. Otherwise, they were out without water for seven days. Um, I'm not sure on that. <clears throat> but the first plague was um, with their water, something that we need. Every day, um, without water, um, it's, yeah, we can't live. We need the water to rejuvenate and hydrate our bodies. <clears throat> when water doesn't taste good, um, we don't drink very much. It doesn't, um, it doesn't taste good. There's a lot of iron or a lot of um, deposits in the water. So God tried to um, get into Pharaoh's heart um, with taking the water away. Something that I had thought about in devotional this morning, um, Pharaoh was given the opportunity of life, but he refused it. Um, God was trying to get across to the Egyptians that he holds all things together. Um, it's not their gods. And um, every every plague that God sent to Egypt um, was a God that they served. So the God for the Nile River was Hapai, the Egyptian God of the Nile. The Egyptian God was a water bearer. Um, the Egyptian plague that water turned to blood. The first plague that was given to the Egyptians from God was that of turning the water to blood. As Aaron, the spokesman for Moses, touched the rod of the Lord to the Nile River, it immediately turned to blood. All the fish died and the river stank. Partially able 
To duplicate this miracle, the magicians of Pharaoh also turned water into blood, leaving Pharaoh unimpressed with this grand, great wonder from God. Seven days, the water throughout all the land of Egypt remained in this state, unsuitable for drinking, the perfect length of time to demonstrate that the Lord was superior to all the other gods of Egypt. But Pharaoh missed it. He didn't notice the God, the true God. <clears throat> So the second plague was um, frogs coming up from the river. And I'll read the first 14 verses of chapter 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs, and the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. It's hard to believe that with frogs everywhere, um, how how did the magicians bring frogs up? How did they know they brought frogs up? Verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me, from my people, and I will let thy people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee, and for thy servants, and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs that she had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses and out of the villages and out of the fields, and they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. Again, we have a stench in the land. First it was in the river, in the water, and now it's across land. Wherever they, yeah, the frogs were, which was everywhere. Um, <clears throat> Moses asked Pharaoh when he would like to get rid of the frogs. I don't understand why he didn't say now. He said tomorrow. Um, I don't know. You'd think a plague with <clears throat> frogs everywhere and in your food and in your bed that you'd want to um, get rid of them now. Uh, but he said tomorrow. And that's how it was. The Lord caused them to die, and they gathered them on heaps. And the Egyptian god for that, for the frogs, was um, Hicket. Um, It was the goddess of fertility, water, and renewal. Still Pharaoh refused to let the children of Israel go from the presence of Egypt. The second plague that was extended from Egypt from the rod by Aaron was that of frogs. The frogs came up from the river 
and were in their houses and their food and their clothing in every place possible. From the greatest to the least, no one in Egypt escaped the plague of frogs. Pharaoh's magicians were able to bring more frogs in their attempt to imitate the power of God, but only Moses was able to make the frogs go away. This was another attack on the famous Egyptian goddess, Heket. So again, we see um, that God is attacking um, their their gods. Okay, Uh, plague number three is... God um, changes the dust into lice in uh, chapter 8, verses 16 through 19. And the Lord said unto Moses, say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt, and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there was lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So we have the Egyptian um, god of the earth, of the dust, um, I don't know all the the implications of their gods and what what how they worship them, but um, here um, interesting thing was that the magicians tried and it didn't work for them and they realized that this is the finger of God and yet Pharaoh um, didn't recognize that or didn't didn't want to if he did he still refused to let them go. <clears throat> The god Geba was the god of the dirt, of the dust, of the earth that they worshipped. <clears throat> okay, then the fourth, fourth one was a, was a swarm of flies. Keep reading there in verse 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to, to the water and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people. And into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end, thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so. And there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into the servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. <clears throat> I don't know if you um, have flies around here, but I remember back in 2010 when we remodeled our house um, put new windows and siding it on. And remember one night at the supper table um, that I just about went crazy because we replaced some windows and well, we live on a steer farm, steer lot, whatever, and we have lots of flies and the flies got in the house and um, they were very pesky and about um, drove you crazy. So I can't imagine how 
this swarm of flies was, um, probably way worse, um, way more flies, and um, flies can be very annoying. <clears throat> I'm not sure if the Egyptians didn't kill flies, since they have a god, Capriah, Kap- Kap- um, it's the god of creation, movement of the sun, and rebirth. Um, god created the flies, so they didn't kill them. I'm not sure how, how that all was. But um, here comes these swarms of flies. <clears throat> the plagues, the plague of flies softened Pharaoh's heart a little in verse 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And here's what I was referring to earlier. He wanted them just to go to Goshen and, and sacrifice there. But Moses said that's not going to work because if we sacrifice cattle um, this close to you, um, you'll you won't like it. You, you won't. It's going to be an abomination to you. We can't do it this close. Yet um, he he hardened his heart again and wouldn't let them go. This is also the first um, of the first three plagues. or. The Israelites experienced the first three plagues only. This is the first one that they didn't in the land of Goshen. So number five, God strikes the cattle, the Egyptians' cattle. Um, Verses 1 through 7 in chapter 9. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon the cattle, which is in the field, upon the houses, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous murrain, which means a disease among cattle. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is in the children, that is the children's of Israel. The Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in, that, in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. But the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Oops, just a verse 7 there. <clears throat> so, cattle died. Um, source of meat, source of food. Just read here. Hathor was an Egyptian goddess of love and protection. Moses once again demanded of Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me, revealing also the next Egyptian plague to occur on the condition of continued disobedience to the request. This plague was given with an advanced warning, allowing a period of repentance to occur, which goes unheeded. Tomorrow the hand of the Lord would be felt upon all the cattle and livestock of only the Egyptians. This means the disease and pestilence would fall upon their livestock with so severe a consequence as to cause them to die. This plague affected the Egyptian Egyptians by creating a huge economic disaster in areas of food, transportation, military supplies, farming, and economic goods that were produced by these livestock. Still, Pharaoh's heart remained hard, and he would not listen to the Lord, but remained faith, but remained faithless to the, or faithful to the Egyptian gods and goddesses. 
So um, it's amazing what um, somebody can go through and still not believe in God. And plague number six, verse eight in chapter nine. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace and let Moses sprinkle it towards the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beasts throughout all the land of Egypt. And it just goes on and says it again when Moses did it and this happened and can't imagine having boils. Um, everybody was was hurting. Everybody was wondering what's going to happen next. And uh, I don't know what kept what kept Pharaoh from killing Moses and Aaron. I'm not sure. I mean, got tired of these these plagues and just get rid of them. But he didn't. God had a hedge of protection around around them. I believe. And then, let's see, Egyptian god for that was Isis. Interesting. Unannounced, the sixth Egyptian plague is given for the first time, directly attacking the Egyptian people themselves. Being instructed by the Lord, uh, Moses took ashes from the furnace of affliction and threw them into the air. As the dust from the ashes blew all over Egypt, it settled on man and beast alike in the forms of boils and sores. As with the previous two, throughout the remaining Egyptian plagues, a division is drawn between between the Egyptians and the children of Israel. So again, um, the children of Israel do not have this and um, don't aren't experiencing that this plague. Then the seventh is rain and hail, like never was before. Um, chapter nine, twenty-two through twenty-six. <clears throat> And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be a hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast, upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt, since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. Nut, Egyptian goddess of the sky. I guess their god was not um, that mean. Never had hail and rain like that before that destroyed their crops. Maybe that's why Pharaoh um, hardened his heart again. Um, his God wouldn't do that. <clears throat> God set up stubborn Pharaoh to show in him God's power throughout the earth. Um, verse 19 says that, that it destroyed the um, their cattle. Um, seems like in Plague 5, all the cattle would have been, been killed, but I don't think they were unless they purchased more since then. But um, maybe they had 
yeah, cattle that got through the first plague and then, or plague number five, and now there is uh, more cattle that have been killed that were out in the field. They were warned to take their cattle in, their servants, out of it, um, but they didn't listen. And the ones that were out got killed, and uh, the ones that went in the houses weren't. Rain and hail like never before, and fire. Um, it's hard to imagine fire running along the ground when it's hailing. You get a, a cover of hail. I'm not sure how much hail there was, but uh, there was fire running down along the ground as well. It's an amazing power of God. The eighth plague is locusts coming in chapter 10, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail hath left. So the hail must have left something. The Egyptian god of Seth. Still Pharaoh would not listen to the message of the Lord. Still he relies on his own Egyptian gods and goddesses. The eighth plague issued by the Lord had an even greater purpose than all the others. It was to be felt so that Pharaoh would tell even his sons and sons' sons the mighty things of the Lord, thus teaching even future generations of the power of the strong hand of God over all the other Egyptian gods and goddesses. Moses and Aaron approached Pharaoh with the same request, let my people go so they may serve me and pronounce the judgment of locusts if not heed. Heated. This is the second wave destruction to follow the hail, and whatever crops were left intact after that display were now completely consumed by the swarms of locusts that were unleashed from the sky. This wonder definitely affected their life source by hitting them in their food supply. The Lord displayed the possibility of imminent death if a change of heart did not occur. Yet still, Pharaoh would not listen. The hard heart of Pharaoh. <clears throat> I think if Pharaoh would have changed his mind, um, I think the people would have as well. I think the magicians were ready before Pharaoh was. <clears throat> I guess Pharaoh maybe never got ready. So the ninth plague is darkness across the land, darkness that could be felt. In verse 21 of chapter 10, the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. Three days they saw not one another, neither rose up, rose any from this place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. That is amazing. Um, the Egyptians didn't move. Um, if they would have moved, they would have found maybe a place of light. Um, the, the Israelites had light, um, but the Egyptians, it was so dark that they couldn't see to go anywhere. Um, darkness, it's hard to see a path in the darkness. Um, spiritual darkness is prevalent, um, is all around us, and it's hard to see um, a way forward when you are in that spiritual darkness. <clears throat> but God has made a way um, to go beyond that spiritual darkness. <clears throat> so the Egyptian god of, of, of Re is the son of God. 
Um, Ray is the sun of God, as the sun shining. But here there was complete darkness. Um, that was unheard of. That's not what their God supplied. Um, darkness was the representation of death, judgment, and hopelessness. Darkness was a complete absence of light. And that's what spiritual darkness is as well. Complete absence of light. And then the tenth plague, um, the death of the firstborn. In verse twenty, chapter 12, verse 29. <clears throat> and it came to pass at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Now they were strictly warned again. They knew it was coming and did not um, listen to it. The God of Pharaoh was the the um, was actually Pharaoh himself. That's the God that they worshipped. Pharaoh was the God of the ultimate power of Egypt. And that's why this last plague um, hurt them the worst. Um, It was, well, I'll just read here. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was worshipped by the Egyptians because he was considered to be the greatest Egyptian god of all. It was believed that he was actually the son of Re, which was the god of the sun, Son of the Ray himself manifest in the flesh. After the plague of darkness felt throughout the land was lifted, Pharaoh resumed his position of bargaining with the Lord and offered Moses another deal. Since virtually all the Egyptian animals had been consumed by the judgments of the Lord, Pharaoh now consented to the request made to let the people go, but they must leave their animals behind. That was totally unacceptable offer, as animals were to be used as the actual sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord is uncompromising when he has set the terms. Enraged by the refusal, Pharaoh announced the last deadly plague to be unleashed upon the land from his very own lips as he warns Moses, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out in the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. For the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts, and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall it be like it any more. <clears throat> Pharaoh was totally um, defeated, um, total devastation. A death without God in one's life is like Life without food. Death without God is like life without food. Pharaoh was, was willing to let them go. Um, this, this was enough. Um, ten plagues was all, um, he needed, all he wanted. He was done. Pharaoh was bound by his many gods. He was deceived into thinking that his gods were real when they actually were false. 
Satan is powerful, but he is not all-powerful. The true creator God is the only all-powerful God. God brought these ten plagues to Pharaoh and Egypt, turning water into blood, frogs, dust into lice, swarms of flies, death of cattle, boils upon man, rain and hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn, to bring them to repentance, but it didn't work for their repentance. But it is a great reminder for all generations afterward to remember God's great power over the Egyptians and how he delivered Israel from bondage. These plagues um, did not um, make Pharaoh and the Egyptians repent, but it is a great reminder to generations from, from then till now, from now till the end, of how powerful God is. <clears throat> That's one of the reasons um, that God allowed uh, Pharaoh to harden his heart for for generations to know about it. I forget which verse I read that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing what, what God did to just help the many people coming after that to know, um, His power. <clears throat> he not only brought these incredible plagues upon the Egyptians, He also kept the plagues in certain area. The children of Israel were not affected by the last seven plagues. And that, that's still, Still amazing to me. I mean, of course, we, it's all the time here today. I mean, it snowed at home and it didn't snow here, so God drew a line. <clears throat> um, kind of the same thing, and yet in my mind, it seems like Goshen was closer to Egypt than than from here to Grove City. But anyway, God had His His purpose and His plan. They were affected by the last plague, I'll say that. Um, they had to kill a lamb for sacrifice, and the blood had to be put on the top and sides of their door for a sign that they, for the death angel that would pass over them. This is the Israelites now. Um, so they do, we, they were affected some by the last plague, but they had, they could do something about it to, to save their firstborn's life. And I, I believe they did that. <clears throat> as an example of what, what Christ has done for us. Um, he died. His blood takes um, away our sin. That was the, the Passover. These uh, happenings that I told you about, these plagues, were actual happenings to real people. Um, actual happenings to real people. In ancient Egypt, gods and goddesses were the depiction of all the fundamental necessities required for sustaining life. Many cults developed and many associations were made because of the interconnection between these life requirements. Put simply, anything that made life possible was represented by an ancient Egypt god or goddess. So why did they have gods for all these different necessities? Um, why, didn't, why did they have so many different ones? Um, wouldn't it have been easier and simpler to have one god? Um, only pleasing one God, is that not easier than pleasing ten gods? <clears throat> one God seems better than to have a God, small g, for each commodity or thing we enjoy or like. They must have known, like everyone today also, that there is someone, a higher being or God, that rules the earth and sun and the weather. Um, I think most 
everyone believes that there is somebody higher than themselves, if they really, truly honest. <clears throat> we are people of worship. Um, we are people that desire to worship something or someone. That's how God made us. We are we desire to worship something or someone. We are to worship and serve our Creator, our Savior, and the and the Creator of the animals, the sun and the moon. We are not to worship ourselves or animals or planets. Um, God is a Creator of animals. God is a Creator of man. Um, we are not to worship man or animals. We are to worship the One who created us and the animals. <clears throat> We are to serve our Creator, not the created. In Romans 1.25, it says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator? Who is blessed forever. Amen. As man, we have a free will choice and have the capability of changing the truth of God into a lie. The Egyptians did. Pharaoh did. He had a free will choice to take the truth that Moses was trying and God were trying to tell him, and he twisted it. He made it into a lie. He didn't believe it. The people around us are working hard on the project of worshiping something other than the true God, be it themselves, their houses, their vehicles, their stuff, whatever it may be. Why do they want to worship so many different things? Do you, do I, have things that we hold dear to our heart than God? I'd like to look at some verses about what God says about our worship and just read them here. Exodus 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Chapter 20, verse 23, You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. And Deuteronomy 7.4, For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Deuteronomy 7, verse 16, And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for they will be a snare unto thee. Deuteronomy 11, verse 16, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. This is in Deuteronomy. Do not let your heart be deceived and turn to serve other gods, small g, and worship them. In Daniel 5, verse 23, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. God is a je- Our God is a jealous God. He wants us to glorify Him and not ourselves. Matthew 4, verse 10, Then saith Jesus unto them, Get thee hence, Satan, 
Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Again, <clears throat> reminding us to serve the true God and not anyone else. And him only shalt thou serve. Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. And that's how it was with Pharaoh. Um, he couldn't serve both, and it was only the one that he was <clears throat> was serving. It was impossible for Pharaoh to serve and worship the Lord God and his false gods at the same time. And so it is with us as well. John twelve twenty six. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. As we serve Christ, he will honor us. We don't have to seek honor of ourselves. Um, he will honor us in his time. 1 Thessalonians 1.9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So here are people that um, turned from their idols to serve the living and true God. And verse 10, To wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which hath delivered us from the wrath to come. And Hebrews 12:28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. <clears throat> so what kind of gods do we struggle with today? Um, I had to think about last night. We pulled in here about 9.30 and we figured that the youth were playing volleyball. Um, and sure enough, there was vehicles here and Got out of the van, and here there's singing coming from the church. Um, just thinking, you know, they didn't have the God of volleyball in their lives, I don't think. Um, they they had time for singing and worshiping God, and it was a blessing to me to, to hear that <clears throat> and to see that. What kind of gods do we struggle with today? Is it materialism? Is it our cell phone in our pocket? Is it our vehicle? Is it our houses? Is it our clothes? Is it our wife? Is it our children? Is it the food we eat? Is it the coffee we have to have? <clears throat> Listen to the definition of idolatry. The definition for idolatry is extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. Extreme admiration and love or reverence. And that is what we need to have to our Savior, the true God, is extreme admiration and love. That is my desire. Idol worship is anything that replaces the one true God. Anything that replaces one our one true God is idol worship. Anything that you hold more dear or more precious in your life than God. We need to be careful we don't have idols made out of gold like the Egyptians did. I don't think that's a problem. Um, but things we own can become our idols. 
In closing, would you turn to Joshua with me? Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24, verses 14 to 28. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods that your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you do well. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statute and ordinance, ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote, these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us who hath heard all the words of the Lord she spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man and his inheritance. We see... um, Joshua as a as a man of taking a stand, um, a man of setting the direction or the course of the people, and he said, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." Have you affirmed to only serve the true God? I trust you have. And serving any God besides the true God leads to death as we see in Exodus 14. The Egyptians drowned in the sea, and that'll be the next message in Exodus, I guess. Have you affirmed to only serve the true God? Let's kneel for prayer.